Welcome to Strengthen, a podcast dedicated to inspiring you to become your strongest self. I am your host, Gabby Barreto, a registered dietitian and personal trainer with the mission of empowering you to become the best version of yourself yet. So let's get stronger together. everybody and welcome to episode two. I am so excited for my guest today and the conversation we had. I learned so much about her, about myself, but before we get there, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who listened to my first episode and who is back for episode number two or is just starting on episode number two. Thank you so much for coming. It means the world to me that you give me your time and your ears. So before we get into our conversation with her name is Gab, I'm Gabby, she's Gab. I want to give you a strength tip of the week and also a nutrition tip of the week. I want you to leave here with a ton of value today. And so my strength tip of the week, and we know that strength is more than just muscle, but my strength tip of the week is expectations. And I have really struggled with expectations of myself, expectations of other people, and it really, really held me back from becoming my best self. When I was first starting out in my business, which wasn't so long ago, I had these expectations that, oh, within a couple of months that I'm going to be in this great, great place place where I am, you know, thriving and I had all these expectations and what I've learned in life is that expectations are a setup for resentment. It's a setup to just let yourself down and I ended up being so angry that I wasn't meeting these expectations that I had made up in my head. So I encourage you as you go through this week to look at what expectations you have of yourself. Do you expect that you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. and go and work out five days a week? Do you have the expectation that you're going to be eating salads for lunch every day and you're never going to have a sweet craving and that this is it? And with those expectations, do you ever get let down? I want you to spend time this week letting go of expectations, letting go of what you think you need to do where you think you should be, that keyword is should, and where you think and what you think you should be doing with your life. And instead, accept where you are today and think about what is one thing I can do today to just grow and develop and do something that I've always wanted to do or do those quote unquote things that are take me towards my expectation. And now for my nutrition tip of the week. I'm going to talk about my favorite macronutrient. Okay, well, I have three favorite macronutrients because I love them all. Because I love nutrition and I love fueling my body for success. But I'm going to talk about the most controversial, carbohydrates. And I'm going to talk about why a low-carbohydrate, low-calorie diet is not a good thing for 
especially female hormones. So our hormones are regulated by three major glands, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenals. And all of these glands interact to keep our hormones in balance. This is known as the HPA axis or the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. It's responsible for regulating things like stress, our emotions, our immune system, our sex drive, our metabolism, energy levels, digestion. And our glands, our hormonal glands, the pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, the adrenals are very sensitive to calorie intake, stress, and exercise levels. We know that long-term stress and stress can be really, really excessive exercise and stress can also be very low calorie. That excessive stress and long-term stress can overproduce things like cortisol and our norepinephrine, right? And this creates a imbalance and an increased pressure on our hormonal glands. That ongoing pressure can eventually lead to dysfunction in the HPA axis, which is not something we want to do. I have spoken on my Instagram a lot about the female athlete triad, which is an interplay of low estrogen, bone health, and menstrual dysfunction. And that is caused by something called low energy availability. So if you want, you can check that out on my Instagram in my IGTVs. And so a diet too low in calories or carbohydrates does act as a stress causing dysfunction of that HPA access. Evidence also shows that low carbohydrate diets can cause increased cortisol production, making that entire issue worse. And a study has actually found that regardless of weight loss, low carbohydrate diets increase cortisol levels compared to moderate fat and moderate carbohydrate diets. So ladies, while we, you may want to lose weight, while you may want to change your body, and that is a personal decision, I do want you to keep in mind that carbohydrates are an essential part of our health and an essential part of our well-being. And a big reason why low carbohydrate diets work is because we end up cutting calories out. And when I say work, I really don't mean work because diets don't work. So while you may perceive that they work because you do lose some weight, long-term we know from extensive studies and extensive experience that fad diets generally for majority of the population do not lead to successful weight loss. So I encourage you to work with someone or find for yourself a carbohydrate balance that works for you, that maintains your health, your energy levels, and most importantly, your hormonal health. And with all that said, let's get to our conversation with my guest this week, Gab Bolin. She is an avid runner. She is a cycle instructor. And now she works with me at Fit Studio. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and enjoy our conversation. Welcome to episode number two. I have a very special guest. And like I said, she has the same name as me. Welcome to Gab Bolin from what? Fit by Gab? Yeah. Is that the name of it? That is. And I love her very much, and 
very interesting how I got to even know who you are is I think it was because of Maria working at Cycle Bar. Yeah. Maria who'll be on here episode four, I believe. Um, one of my good friends in fitness. And there was this girl, Gab, and like everyone would talk about Gab is so <laughs> like motivating. And I was just like, okay, I have to take her class. And everything anyone's ever said about you or like been, I remember you were like the what, the fitness, Miss Fitness, Group Fitness, Long Island or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like this big deal and I was like, okay, I got to check this chick's class out. And I think I went to a Friday, do you teach Friday night or was that Calliope who teaches Friday night? It was Calliope, normally it was Calliope, but I may have subbed in. I think she like taught that. a Friday night and I went to her class I was like, oh my gosh, like blown away. The motivation like outdoes any other online fitness spinning platform Thank I've you. ever taken. I love her classes and I've really grown to love her as a person. So I'm so excited. I'm going to stop talking about her and I'm going to let her talk about her because obviously she knows herself more than me. Um, so let's get started. I want you to tell me a little bit about you, what your role is in the world of fitness and just how you got started. Cause yeah. I know you have an interesting background. So I tell do. Me. I have one of those sort of like weird, like the path was very twisty and turny to get me where I am. Um, mm -hmm. I actually spent the majority of my young adult and adult life as an actor. Um, and it's, it's always something that people are like really excited about when I say it, but anybody who's been in the industry is like, okay, big deal. Um, I grew up doing theater. I love to perform. I love to sing. I love to dance the whole nine. Um, and so eventually when I got a little older, I started doing theater, which went from community theater to professional theater. Um, and then the next, you know, the next step was to go to college and get my BFA in performing arts. So I went to Marymount Manhattan College. I lived in the city. I was working full time as an actor while I was going to school full time. I had a part on all of the, your typical like New York city TV shows. I did SVU. Really? I did, yeah, <laughs> I did CSI the one day that they actually film in New York. Um, I did gossip girl. I was on for a little while. Um, I was, I was relatively successful for a 20 year old, you know, is still in college, kind of just mm -hmm. like getting her feet wet. And what inevitably happened, and I'm sure this is not, you know, a unique story, was I just was so lost in the world of trying to grow my career and trying mm -hmm. to meet people that I sort of fell into that, like, the, I know I'm talented. Right. How can I get a leg up? Well, I'm, I'm gonna skip dinner tonight. Because mm -hmm. I really want to be able to wear this dress to this audition. And I, it just became such an unhealthy pattern of thinking. And then the disordered relationship with food turned into a disordered relationship with other women who were competing for the same roles that I was competing for. Interesting. So it, it sort of became this horrible, like, not only was I so unhappy with myself, but I was also like a vicious, competitive, horrible, like, you know, I want to be thinner than you and mm -hmm. I want to be better than you. And I'm going to, and it just, one day I woke up and I was like, I am not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with the way that I behave. I'm not happy with how I feel when I look in the mirror. And I just thought, what if today I go to the gym and I lift a weight to see how it makes me feel and not worry about like burning calories on the treadmill and not worry about, you know, whether or not I'm, I'm going to be thin enough for this casting director to hire me. What if I just try to be a little bit happier and to like be proud of what I can do, having nothing to do with my relationship with performing arts mm -hmm. and that it just changed my life. What do you think, what do you feel like prompted or ignited you to do that? Anyone, anything, any influence, or do you feel like it was just, I had enough, like you kind of had a bottom with it 
and lifted yourself up? Yeah. I mean, there, there were definitely a lot of people that helped me to kind of see the light. Um, you know, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was very much, I think he knew that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, without sort of, right, because the one thing you don't want to do with somebody who has like a disordered relationship with food yeah. is like point it out to them because then they get defensive. Right. But instead, I think he kind of helped me to come to the other side of like, finding a way to be a little bit more happy with myself or be a little bit more comfortable with myself or to reroute that anxiety into something else. So instead of worrying about how many calories I was burning, like worrying about, you know, whether or not I was strong enough to lift something right. heavy, you know? Um, but ultimately it, it just came to a point where I didn't want to feel like my value was solely in the way that I looked. And I, I, I never had a good relationship with exercise because it was always a punishment. Right. So I I don't even know what it was. I think I just wanted to be somebody who enjoyed fitness for their own purposes. And it just completely and entirely changed my life. And that's coming from someone like I did not play sports. I was not (laughs) athletic as a kid. I had never like I was allergic to exercise until that one morning that I was like, maybe this will just be a way for me to enjoy myself for a second. And I love that you talk about enjoying. And I was one of those kids that was like, I played sports and I did everything under the sun in terms of sports. I played soccer, basketball, softball, tennis. Like I I ran track. I did all of that. And I still had a similar thing when I was in college that exercise was not for enjoyment. Exercise was because I ate this or I did that or I wanted to fit in. And it kind of sounds like I want to fit in this industry. I want to fit in in the industry and look a certain way. And I think so many women can identify with that regardless of their industry. You know, I have friends who work in, in um, like the makeup industry. I have friends who work in fashion. I have friends who work in the production industry. And it's no matter what. And it's like you talked about that competition with women. And the reason why, you know, I work and I want to help people become stronger and more confident is so we can end this woman-to-woman competition. And you mentioned it like it wasn't, it wasn't, until you really just got, it sounds like when you built a better relationship with yourself and food and exercise that you became a stronger woman who is not judgmental, who is, I'm just knowing you, is not judgmental, is open and really, you are one of those like women helping other women, like other women lift other women up. And so that's what I feel, I feel like where where your strength comes from. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. Yeah. It's so nice to hear, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really do. And I, anytime I see a woman who behaves that way, my initial reaction is one of sympathy rather than mm-hmm. judgment because I've been there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I, I have a very, very firm foundation from my mother in being strong and independent. My mom had me when she was 24. She was divorced at 26. She was a single parent, like she moved back in with her parents and she really instilled in me from a young age, like if you are not happy, you make a change. If somebody does not treat you the way you deserve to be treated, you make a change because the pain of changing is so much less than the pain of staying the same. And so having that background and that that kind of really deep-seated understanding of if you're not happy, you make a change, it just drove me to say, like, I'm not happy in this career. 
Mm-hmm. And I did have a little bit of guilt with like, I spent all this money on this college degree that is essentially useless. I think so you know? many people did too. Oh, so you're not alone. Useless. I mean, come on. But it was, it was like, you know, I spent my whole life. Like that was my, that was my, my calling card. Everyone knew me as a performer. So to wake up one morning and say, I don't want to do it anymore. Not only was it, it felt financially silly, but it also felt like embarrassing. But I just, I knew that if I wasn't happy, I had to make a change. And that the pain of change was so much less than the pain of staying the same and being happy. So I I made the change. And any time I see a woman who is unhappy with herself, unhappy with her circumstance, um, is, is feeding into that competition with other women, I just always approach it with sympathy. And I think to myself... She just needs to learn that the pain of change mm-hmm. is less than the pain of staying the same. Mm-hmm. And I just want to help people understand that because whether it's changing your relationship with food, whether it's changing your relationship with people, whether it's changing right. jobs, changing anything, it's tough, but you get through it and then you're better for it. Right. And change is like, you know, I always tell people, it's like a lot of my clients change versus staying the same changes can be uncomfortable. Right, but there's growth, there's opportunity. Staying the same, it can feel like that negative uncomfortability. Yeah. It's like misery loves company. Yeah. Kind of, you know, things stay the same, it kind of feels safe. But reality is is that change is where we grow, change is where we become better people. Yeah. And it's I love this conversation because we really have so much in common. Like, I know. I you know, know, like I also had a mother who really taught me the value of, you know, being a strong, independent woman and you know, being, you know, mentally, physically strong and raise me that way as well. Raise me and all my sisters and my brother um, that way, you know, because we've all been through so much yeah. together. So it's, it's and we also, just so everybody knows, we also have, okay, we're both Gabs. Yep. I'm Gabby. You're a Gab, right? Mm-hmm. We both have the same middle name with we just discovered, which yes. is Marie. And then my last name is Barreto, which starts with a B. And yours, is it Bolin? Bolin, yeah. Bolin, which starts with a B. So we're both GMBs. Yeah. Right? Birthdays. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm June 3rd. I'm June 4th. So we're like, this is like crazy. It's a little weird, yeah. <laughs> Just but a little I'm weird. And we're both wearing black sweatshirts and colorful <laughs> pants and cool sneakers, probably. We're both hot. Yes. <laughs> so I love your story so far. Thank like, you. let's keep going. Thank let's keep you. going with it. So tell me what, you know, you spoke a lot about being a strong woman and, and just talk to me what being strong means to you. Yeah. So I, again, coming from a not fitness background, I always almost have that sense of being an imposter in this industry because I, I got started really late. I'm definitely kind of still finding my way around mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm definitely a student of the game, but the one thing that really is the driving force for me behind this whole career path and this whole decision to get into this career is this idea that what we do physically to strengthen our bodies, we also do mentally to strengthen our minds. Mm -hmm. And so I always say, you know, if you can run one more mile, if you can lift five more pounds, if you can do one more rep, then you can leave that crappy job. You can end that relationship that is no longer serving you. You can take that solo trip, you know, you can ask for that raise, whatever it is, what we do when we exercise or when we train or however you want to frame that, whatever it means to you, we also take with us when we're done. So when you are able to prove to yourself how physically strong you are, you're also proving how mentally strong you are. And, and that toughness, that discipline, it translates it in yeah. both inside and outside of the, the gym. Absolutely. And I always say like exercise, the stress of exercise, like builds our tolerance to stress, like resiliency to stress is like, it's crazy. And I love what you talked about. Like 
and I, some people can think it's silly, but like when I would step up to a barbell and I talked about this, when I step up to a barbell and I'm just like, can I do this? And I do it. It's like, wow, I can accomplish this physically. It gives you this toughness, like you said, to like go out there and accomplish things that I don't know if I would have gotten where I am today if I didn't ever take those chances. Like I remember, like I step up to the bar and I'm like, I'm nervous. Can I lift this up? Like, but I get through that. I get stronger physically. And then I realize, like, wow, I can take things on in the real world. 100%. I can get stronger that way. And I always tell women it's the same in, in, in reverse as well. Like, if, if so far you have survived 100% of all of the obstacles that you've ever faced, mm-hmm. right? You're still here. You're still breathing. You still woke up this morning. So if you can get through that, you right. know, whatever that is for you, like, you can pick up this heavy weight. You know, it may, it may take practice and you may have to lighten it a little bit to get there, but you are going to be able to get through it because you've already survived things that are 10 times more difficult. Mm-hmm. So it works both ways. Speaking of surviving things, can you tell us about the woods? Oh <laughs> my God. Okay. So to kind of, to kind of color this a little bit, um, I am an endurance athlete and the I I never ran as a kid. I really didn't start running. I'm 28 years old. I was probably 25 when I first started running. And um, it all happened because my best friend was like, I just ran a marathon and I loved it and you should train with me. And I was like, oh, running's not really for me. You know, changes happened. I, I kind of fell into it and I loved it. And what I loved about running was this idea that I could I, I could hold on for one more mile. You know what I mean? Like I hit my goal. First it was 13.1 and I was like, you know, I crossed the finish line and I thought I could have done 14. And then that turned into 26.2 and whatever. And eventually I got into ultra marathons. And I just love this idea of how far can I go? How hard Mm -hmm. can I push myself? And you know, you get to those moments where you're like, I don't think I can take another step. And then you think back to all the hard things you've ever done in your life. And you're like, I can take one more step, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So my very first ultra marathon, which is anything longer than your traditional 26.2. It was actually supposed to be an ultra marathon that my friend and I did as a team. So we split it up. It was 48 miles. We were going to do 24 and 24, which is all well and good, except it was in the middle of the woods. I <laughs> there And there are trails that are marked with like, you know, like the white ribbon means yep. go this way, whatever. They never mark them very well. Um, which is half of the reason I got lost. The other half is just because I'm, I'm not the best at following maps or signs or anything. So I'm running through the woods and my teammate and my husband are tracking me on my GPS. And so they're kind of texting me and they're like, hey, you seem to have veered a little bit north. <laughs> which, please, north, like if you ever want to help somebody who's lost in the woods, north is not the way to do it. Doesn't like, mean anything to me right now. Take a right, like anything, but north is nothing. So I get this message. You seem to have veered off. You're heading a little bit too north, and then my phone dies, and like and now I have no idea where I am. I am. I know I'm lost, but I don't know how lost I am. Like I don't know if veered off is like the polite way of saying you made a horrible mistake and now it's right. too late. So I'm in the woods and I'm like. Oh my God, what do I do? Then I see a group of runners that are running like backwards from where I just came. And they're, they're going much faster than I was. And they were like, you got to turn around. It's the wrong way. So I'm like, Oh my God. So I turn around and I start following them, but they're going so freaking fast that before I know it, they're gone. Now I'm in the middle of the woods. I don't even think I'm on a path anymore. I have no food. I have no water. I have no cell phone. My headphones are dead. 
and I just, I do the only thing that I can think to do, which is I just sit down and I just start peeing. (laughs) I thought you were going to say crying. Oh no, 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 no. I am not crying. It is way too far gone for that. There is no water to come out of my eyes. It is all coming out of my bladder. And I'm just like, all right, well now I have peed myself. I am alone. I am completely useless. Finally, some guy who is like walking is like, oh, hey, are you running this race? And I'm like, well, yes, are you running this race? And he's like, yeah, I think we go this way. So I like stand up and I start walking with him. Turns out I went five miles in the wrong direction. Oh my God. So I've got to go five miles back in the right direction to get back on the course. There is a photo of me emerging from the woods. <laughs> and it, I I can't even begin to, and I will show it to you. I uh, need to see that. You're going to see it. I, I look like Amy Schumer in any movie where she, like, survives something mildly uncomfortable. I am, like, th- just the joy and the horror on my face simultaneously from getting out of this situation is, like, unlike anything you've ever seen. It was horrible. And to this day, I will not trail run. I am not going into the okay, woods. So it did scar you a little bit. I was going to say, oh, surprise, you still run. Oh, my God. I sometimes I have nightmares about it like I I and I just don't I'm not interested I was training unfortunately it was canceled but I was training for a hundred miles no that's when I like had first met you you were you were training for this I was so I was crushing my training I had a coach I I know about it it got canceled because of COVID um but that race is quite literally on a road for a hundred miles and there are plenty of hundred mile ultra marathons that are through the woods but I will not do them them. because I'm gonna get lost and I'm gonna pee myself well, I ran my first half marathon in the woods. I mean, it was very well marked, oh. but I vomited after, not because of, I just didn't know how to train for running right. at all. Right. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about nutrition. I like downed a goo, um, which if you don't know what a goo is, it's basically a super concentrated sugar, which I would never recommend to any runner no. ever again. There's so many better products out yes. there. Um, but I was just young and dumb and didn't know anything. So I threw up after, but my first one was in the trail. It was in a trail. So I want to talk about running, right? You talked about being a total non-athlete, being someone who's never played sports and then started running and then had this experience in the woods. So tell us about, talk to me a little bit about how you started running. And then I want to talk about how you help people running. So running I think has a bad reputation because people think that running means speed. And what changed my life was this idea that you can run for distance Mm -hmm. and run slowly. And somebody once told me, I believe it was Rich Roll who said this and it it sticks with me. Um, you have to go slow to go fast. Mm -hmm. So once my friend kind of talked me through this and gave me permission to run slowly, I was like, oh my God, I, I ran 10 miles and I could do more and I am not a runner. But everybody, you know, they, they say they're going to go up for a run and they start sprinting, right? So what I learned is that running is an energy conservation game. It is all about preserving your battery so that mm-hmm. you can go for as long as you can. So once I learned that, I was like, oh my God, I got this. And then I learned that you can have snacks while you're running. It's the best. And I was like, so you're telling me I can go slow and I can eat while I'm doing it? Like this, sign me up. This is my sport. So I just learned not only 
the pacing issue that people see with running. Mm-hmm. I learned how to breathe, which thankfully I knew as a singer, but I, I had never applied. You know, the thought of yeah. breathing cadence, like in breath cadence being important to exercise, blew me away. I had no idea. And then I learned, um, I learned, you can cut all this out because now I'm going to have a brain fart. I learned... Uh, Maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? I learned pacing. I learned... Bre- oh, and then I learned about food that you can eat while you're going. It was right. amazing. So all of these things and the biomechanics. And this was really the number one thing. I want to know about this. Oh, a they, lot. This is the kind of thing that when you're playing squash in middle school gym class, they should really teach you how to run because it is a game changer. And I will say this is a very hot topic issue and there are going to be people who listen to this who totally do not believe in it and that is fine. Like it is it is not a one size fits all. But what I learned and what helped me personally is that when we walk, our gait or the way that our feet move, we heel toe, right? You land on your heel and then you lower your toe to the ground. And we heel toe through our life and that is perfect. But when we run, that is not necessarily the best or the most efficient way to do it. Now that's coming from somebody who just told you that endurance running means going slowly. So if you're a sprinter, you may have a very different take on this. But for somebody who is starting to run distance, we want to think about changing the gait from walking to jogging or running by taking the the heel strike out of it Mm -hmm. and landing on the middle of our foot, even creeping up into that toe area. And the reason, there are two really good reasons for that. Number one, Anytime we heel strike, we're putting a lot of pressure on our knee joints, Mm -hmm. on our hip joints, on our back. It's a lot of force coming up through our foot into our leg, and that'll create a lot of discomfort for people. That's number one. Number two, anytime we put our weight in our heel, we're putting our force and our energy and like our weight behind us when we're running and we're trying to go forward, right? So we wanna lean our weight forward. We almost wanna lean forward like we may fall and then our back foot kind of comes up and catches us. Okay. And so by putting that weight and that, that center of gravity a little bit more forward versus in the heel and in the back, we're putting our effort where we want to go. And we're leaning in and kind of making our steps a little bit lighter, a little bit softer, and we're going in the direction that we're trying to head in. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like thinking of kettlebell. It's like we're putting the force where we want to go. Yes. We're putting that force forward. Like in a swing, the force is going forward. Exactly. Meaning if I were to let go of the kettlebell, the kettlebell will fly forward right same thing when you're running right yeah 100%. so it's very interesting because I've seen I've seen uh, you know running experts I'm like I can't run anymore my knees hurt and they're like let's see you run yeah and then the same way they go this is what they said take off your shoes and now go and try to do that yeah. barefoot on cement you're on your toes yeah and if you think about it like humans we weren't born with Nikes. Like we, like, you know, cavemen didn't have Nikes. Hunter gatherers didn't have Nikes. You know, when they ran, they probably did not heel strike, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. And it's something that most people just don't know. So between deciding that they're going to run as fast as they can, because they think running means going fast, heel striking. Also people, people have these crazy movement patterns where they are kicking their feet up as hard as they can and they're driving their knee forward, which if you watch the Olympics and you're looking at the 400 meter sprint, like, yes, these people are throwing their body weight around, but you can't do that for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Number one, you're going to tire yourself out. And number two, you're burning so many unnecessary calories that you need to reserve. And that, that of course, you know, we could talk about 
exercise and people saying, well, I want to burn calories because I'm working out, but the difference between training right. and exercise is, very right, different. is huge. So if you're training for a race, you want to conserve as much energy and as many calories as you can. So we want to keep those movements small. Um, you know, your arm swing should be relatively small. Your, your stride. So when we walk, we tend to take very big steps. Um, but when we run, we want our steps to be really, really small because why waste all the energy taking these giant leaps? Yeah. So these are, these are little tweaks that people don't learn about. They have no idea. They go out for a run, they don't do them, and then they think running is hard or they're bad at it or they mm -hmm. can't do it. Whereas, like, when I learned this, I went from being a very unathletic, like, I go on the elliptical because I want to burn 500 calories because I need to punish myself for what I ate yesterday, to, oh, my God, I can do this, and I can do it for a really long period of time, and I like it. Um, you know, I want to teach other people how to do this. Right. So you do teach other people how to do it. I do. Yeah. And you have a running program, which people obviously absolutely love because it's all over Instagram. So <laughs> tell us about your running program. Yeah. So I, um, I specialize in indoor cycling, like we said earlier. Yeah. And when COVID hit, um, everybody and their grandmother started running, started running. And what inevitably happened was people were sending me all these messages and they were like, I hate this, this is hard, it sucks, I can't do it, how do you do this? And I was like, well, I can take my group fitness background, right, the, the sort of like, because people, you know, people wanna have a fitness class because they like being told what to do, they like the energy, they like the music. Yeah. How can I do that but for running? And I thought, well, if I could make a playlist like I do for a cycling class, if I could guide people through like I do for a cycling class, but with running instead of riding a bike, they could pop their headphones in, listen to me, and run. And so, like with every other idea I've ever had, I brought it to my husband and I said, this is what I want to do, how can I do it? And he did all the technical stuff, Aww. he set it all up, and kind of just like you and I are recording this podcast, I recorded these guided runs. And I got really into how they were designed. I did Tabata runs, I did interval runs, I did fun runs, I did distance runs. They all come complete with like technical cues. I teach people how to run in them. And then I set them up so that you can train for a 5K or a 10K or a half or a full marathon. And um, it's really been successful because mm -hmm. besides the fact that it's a little bit more enjoyable than kind of putting on a playlist and running, it really helps people to understand how to run. Um, versus kind of just setting them loose and saying, go run, you know, five miles today. Right. And helping them with pacing and yeah. also like just being motivation. Cause you spoke about like group fitness, like you, some people need that motivation. Yeah. And so I've seen some crazy quotes and things that you say in there. <laughs> so can you like give us like, I don't know, some crazy quotes that you say in there are some of your lines, like there's something about blood or something. Yes. So there are, I am, I am a big advocate for like, go at your own pace, but there are moments yep. in a program where I will say, if you are walking right now, it better be because there's blood and like, there has to be enough blood for it to be worth the fact that you just lost these moments. Like I... I, I do not like to shame people for, you know, whatever, like you do what you need to do. Certainly yeah. everybody has a limit, but like there are moments where like, if you do not have a doctor's note, you are running like, yeah. let's go. Um, for sure. Because it's just like that. I truly believe that everybody has more potential than they give themselves credit for. And I will pull it out of you one way or another. Right. And I like what you said. I also give people the liberty to be, you know, if it's your day, then it's your day yeah. and you go. Take my suggestion 
or leave it. Like if you're cycling, if you want to crank it up to a six, seven, eight, yeah. go for it. If you want to stay at a five, that's, that's you today. You are where you are today. But sometimes I'm going to kick your butt a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to push you to, to that limit and just, you know, respecting where some people are today, but also like, that's our goal. That's our, that's our job is to motivate yeah. people. People want that. Yeah. I love it. So you do like virtual five K's. You've been doing that. Do you have anything coming up in, in terms do. of doing? So talk about it. Yeah. So September 6th, I'm doing a virtual five K, which is going to be essentially a live guided run. So everyone's going to run. The goal is to run your, your five K your 3.16 miles, but I will be live guiding you through for up to 60 minutes. So people can do, they can essentially walk it and I will guide them through. So I'm really excited. You're doing it live? Live, yep. Very cool. Yeah, so I will be out there running for an hour, guiding everybody through. We'll You're going to run while you do it? I'm going to do it, yeah. Yeah. You should have like a little camera in front of you. I was thinking about it, you. like Instagram Live, this 5K. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. And uh, it's definitely been so rewarding for me just to see people start to enjoy mm -hmm. the process, which is really cool because I it's... I feel so passionately about this idea that mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, like you can run, you can run. And you may feel like you have terrible knees or you have no stamina or this or that, but I can help you. Right. So I'm pumped. I love, I love the process and I love the same thing with me. I love when like people come in and they're deadlifting 20 pounds and then the next thing I know they're like, I call the big kettlebell the big daddy. Yes. <laughs> You're pulling out the big daddy now. <laughs> And you're deadlifting the big daddy. Like, where were you six months ago, yeah. Miss? I can only pick up 12 pounds. So it's it's a fun process. It's yeah. fun to help people and see them, like, get the journey, enjoy it, and run with it. So speaking of that, let's talk about how you fuel your runs. Because I love eating, too, and I love food. And I love all kinds of food. And you're actually a vegan. And in I, not on purpose, but I ate a vegan dinner before this, <laughs> before we recorded this. Not on purpose. I'm an equal opportunity foodist. So I eat everything from like seitan to tofu. If anybody has no idea what I'm talking about, those are all plant-based protein sources to okay. like tofu, tempeh. Um, I don't even know what else is out there. And then I'll eat like pork. I'll eat like a burger. I'll eat, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But I love, me and my fiance, we love everything. We even last summer on the 4th of July, we made homemade seitan. Oh my God. On that. an American holiday, That's we hysterical. made homemade seitan. Was it good? It was very good. Was it, it was difficult? No, you just buy wheat gluten, and he made it, and we ate it, and it was the 4th of July, and we looked at each other, and we're like, we're not eating any meat. This is amazing. <laughs> God so, bless America. So tell us what made you go plant-based? What made you go vegan? Yeah, so honestly, it had a lot to do with my running. And mm -hmm. so my best friend who got me into running is also a registered dietitian, and I had come to her looking for nutrition advice because I, as much as I had come out of this sort of very disordered eating relationship with food, mm -hmm. um, those are things that, those are habits that never really leave us all the way, right? There's always that little voice in the back of your head kind of, you know, guiding you in a way maybe that we, we try to avoid. And so at the time, I was very concerned with, as I mentioned, being um, a little bit of a, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I felt like an imposter in the industry. So I was very concerned with my weight and I was very concerned with making sure that I looked the part. 
And so what happened was I was counting my calories and I was really focused on eating foods that had nutrition labels so I knew exactly how many calories I was eating. Do you know I like hear people that tell people to do that? Yeah. Like just eat processed food and then you'll know how many calories you're eating. I'm like, you're missing out on nutrition. It's sick. Not to mention yeah. like in reality like where do you think they come up with those numbers like you think there's like a magic calculator like it's... like and we know that late food labels can be anywhere from like five to twenty percent up or under or over exactly yeah it was horrible but i was i was literally eating like a quest bar for breakfast a quest bar for lunch and then like a protein shake for dinner with like maybe a little bit of chicken if i was really feeling adventurous so i went to my friend and i was like I feel terrible and my knees were like not functioning. I was teaching two cycling classes, a Wednesday night and a Thursday morning. And by Thursday afternoon, my knees looked like water balloons. It was horrible. So I went to her and I was like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm not losing any weight. I feel horrible. My digestion is miserable. I wonder why. Yeah. And I'm like, and my knees are horrible. Like what is going on? So she kind of like talked me through things and she was like, listen, when was the last time you ate like a vegetable? And I was like, well, you know, I, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get fat. And she was like, wait, how about fruit? And I was like, oh, I can't eat fruit. There's sugar in that. And she was like, listen, you need to fix this. Like, we need to get you eating real food. Like, no labels, like real food. So she said, for 30 days, I want you to try going entirely plant-based. Mm-hmm. And I use the word plant-based on purpose because vegan, you know, Oreos are vegan, right? Like there's right. Like plenty of vegan junk food out there. So she said, I really want you to go plant-based for 30 days. So I did. And I just never, I felt so incredible. And I know for anybody out there who's like, oh, you know, plant-based isn't for me. Like genuinely, it, it was so much more to do with the fact that I was eating real, real food, food rather than and like, nu- nutrients. Yeah. And it just changed my life and I really felt so much better and I felt so much freer also Mm -hmm. because I learned about the principle of caloric density, which really helped me to stop doing that mental calorie counting game um, where I knew that if I ate things that were plant-based, I could eat more of it and not have to worry about how many calories there were. And it just kind of gave me that safety blanket of like, you're doing the right thing. It's okay. And so I, I just changed my entire lifestyle and of course you know that turned into i realized how good it was for the environment and i realized how much i loved animals and i didn't want to be you know contributing to the death of a, of a harmless creature and all those sort of like very vegan crunchy ideals that just That's solidified okay. Own it. <laughs> i love it. i love it i genuinely do and uh my husband also went plant-based he had this horrible gerd we weren't drinking coffee because mm. he had such bad GERD. He went plant-based, and now we drink like more coffee than anybody should. Um, he was pre-diabetic. Like, he lost 60 wow. pounds. It was amazing. And we just, we knew that this was what we liked, and this is what felt good for us, and this is what we wanted to do um, for a multitude of reasons. We have dogs. We love animals. His parents owned a farm. So Aww. we were just like, we, we, we're just very crunchy, and like, we love animals. We love the environment. We're really big into like lowering our carbon footprint and stuff. So it just felt like the right thing to do. And it really helped to fuel me as an athlete, um, to go from somebody who was eating processed bullshit to real food really Mm -hmm. took me over the edge from being somebody who dabbled in running to an ultra runner. Right. And the thing about like plant-based diets, what you mentioned is that like you weren't eating nutrition, like you weren't having nutrients. And it's really important that while a, protein bar here and there isn't harmful is if we're you know have so many people that go on 
these kinds of diets where like the, all they do is eat bars and shakes and then maybe they'll have like a meal at night. They'll yeah. have maybe one meal, which would be like chicken and a vegetable. Right. And just looking at the recommended dietary allowance and like what the minimum recommendations are for, and like, I think we need to get out of the mindset that it's all about carbohydrates and proteins and fats and that there's so many other things. And like the anti-inflammatory effects of like vegetables and the vitamins and minerals that are in there that are important for us to have. And also like you're having a quest bar, like there's no carbohydrates for you to go and teach spin classes back to back. Like there's, nothing in there um and i do i do love a quest bar here and there um but you know what it's yeah. a treat it's a delicious snack yeah and it's but it's 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 a cookie it's a donut like it's, yeah. it's something that you want in that moment but it's not a solution no. or a replacement for real no food. absolutely not and that's what you know when i get so many people and i tell them like i show them a meal plan with like all of this food and they're like oh my gosh that's so much food i go yeah but like you weren't eating anything yeah at all like you weren't eating any nutrients and I like that you shifted your mindset from like calories and like weight centered approach to like nutrients nutrition and this is what I need to fuel my body so I can go and do the things that I want to do I can go and be a successful instructor like being an instructor is like it's it's hard out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough out there. Yeah, it is. It's like very taxing on your body and you know to get instructors to get out outside of their own head and that like the actual process of teaching is not about me. Right. It's not about me. It's about the 20, whatever, 10, 15, 20 people in front of me. It's not about me. And people look up to us. They look up to you. They look up to me. Like we talked about it before. People will go on Instagram. They'll see that you're doing this. You're doing your hair here. You're eating this or eating them. Like Gab is doing it. Yeah. She's healthy. Yeah. She runs. I'm going to do it too. So it's, I love that you got, went through that transformative process to become a positive influence in this field. Yeah. It was, it was really, really eye-opening. And in addition to feeling better, it just made me feel like I was healthier mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. in my relationship with food. Um, yeah. And I just never went back. That was three and a half years ago. It was a 30-day trial. Um, and now I am an accomplished ultra runner and it's I feel awesome. great. And you know, it's, it's interesting too, to kind of talk about the mindset shift. Quarantine was a really big one for me because I went from quite literally teaching 12 spin classes a week, um, training for this hundred mile ultra marathon. Yeah. Like I was running, there were days when I had to run 30 plus miles. I would see that on your Instagram and I'd be like, I love you boo, but I am not doing this. I know. Good luck. <laughs> I felt the same way. Some days I woke up and I was like, girl, like you committed to this, but like never again. Um, I was just constantly going. So to go from that to a dead stop, stop yeah. my body, first of all, I healed, which was nice because I did have like a hip injury like that. I was getting, I was getting to that point yeah. of like, this race has to come, but I, so my body healed, but I also inevitably gained weight. And I remember there being a moment in June where I looked in the mirror and I, I felt myself have that panic. You know, that I know all too well where it felt like the solution was I'm going to starve or I'm going to stop eating or this. And I looked at myself and I said, this is my moment to practice what I preach. Yeah. And I was like, the effect that I've had on people's lives had nothing to do with my weight, Mm -hmm. with how many miles I was running. It had nothing to do with my ab definition. Like, I am worth more 
than my reflection. And it's something that I'm still working through. And obviously like we've gone back to fitness and I've, I've come out of that a little bit and you know, we're all getting back to the way yeah. it used to be, but it, it really was that moment for me to be like, you've said it now you got to live it. You right. know, you are worth more than the number on the scale. And so it's been such a nice rewarding time to be able to think like, what am I going to eat for lunch today? I'm not going to eat, you know, a piece of broccoli because I want to fit back into the pants that I used to fit into. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat what I need to eat so that I can go teach three classes. And then six months from now, when my life is back to normal, I'll fit back into those pants yeah. and it'll be okay. But it's really been such an, ex like an exploration of living these values that I've been preaching. Um, you know, just, just feeling like myself again and kind of coming right. back. And I love that you say that because inevitably, how old are you? I'm 28. Oh, I'm not really that much older than her, guys. I'm 33. But um, I remember being 28 five years ago. But as women, as humans, like your body changes yeah. regardless. Like oh, yeah. our bodies change. And my, you know, my role and a big part of what you do too is helping people find their self-worth of who they are as people outside of their body and helping heal them from that. As women, it's like, you know, there's the um, objectification theory. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it talks about that, you know, woman's value in society is placed largely on what we look like. Oh, yeah. And it has a lot of negative consequences, like mentally, emotionally, financially, the amount of money we spend on things. Oh, my God. You yeah. know, financially, time, how much time dieting can take from you. And, you know, being obsessed and it's, it's not that it's not important. It's not that it's not important. It's that it is not the most important thing about you. Right. It's, you know, it could be something that you value as important, but it's not who you are. You know, and I always say, you know, yes, I've never had children, but like my body's going to change when I do. And I hope that I'm in the most mentally healthy mindset that when that does happen, God willing, one day that I'm going to be okay with it. And yeah. like quarantine happened and it was, you know, so interesting. So many people had come to me about like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm getting all this weight. I'm getting all this weight. Like that's, that shows us that like life changes, our body changes and responds to that change. And we need to be able to have the tool set to come out of that yeah. and have the tool set to cope with that. And it's like, what tools do I have? Have I even built a tool set right. in order to be able to cope with the fact that like quarantine happened and I gained weight or quarantine happened and I stopped exercising. Yeah. I'm not as strong as I used to be. But like you said, like you have the opportunity now. Life is going to go back to somewhat normal. Yeah, hopefully. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even too, like if, you know, people who view themselves as athletes and, and think about training for events, mm -hmm. like events happen and then events are finished. And for me, it was kind of like, all right, well, I had a really great season of training really hard and now I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to heal these injuries. Right. I'm going to allow my body to rest and then I'll come back. And as women, we have this pressure on us that we need to look perfect all the time or we need to be in tip top shape all the time. And I was watching, I'm a big, big baseball fan, big Mets fan, like hardcore. Really? Oh my God. That's like, the, I love you. That's the one sport that I will not watch that's anything fine, else. That's fine. Um, I, I don't know. It's the only sport that I'll watch. I love it. I love it. I grew up a huge baseball fan. But anyway, my, my husband and I were watching the Mets, and I, I'm looking at Pete Alonso, who's like our big star right now. Mm -hmm. And it was the beginning of, you know, what we are currently having as a season. And I was like, homeboy is like 20 pounds heavier than he would be, um, you know, in like the middle of an actual season. And nobody is saying anything about it. 
because he's just an athlete coming off of the off season. And like, he, that's normal. And he's a man. And he's a man. Yeah. But if it was a woman, like, let's say Lady Gaga gained weight yeah. years ago, and it's, you know, Britney Spears gained weight. Yeah. Whoever, Demi Lovato gained weight. Who yeah. else gained weight? And it's, it's like headline news. Yeah. So it's like that objectification theory that women are valued based on their looks in our yeah. society. And I love, I love to try to change that. Like one day at a time. Yeah. And I'd also love to normalize this idea that life happens in seasons, you yes. know, like there's a, there's a season when we're at our prime and there's a season where we're recovering. And I just, you know, I wish it could be a little bit more normal for women to be in a season where like, yeah, you know, my body's not where it, it once was, but I'll get back there. Right. And that's okay. And if I don't, then it's okay too. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I just had a client today where, um, she was like, I haven't worked out in a month. I was like, good. You recovered yeah, for a ready. whole month. Yeah. Like you actually, because then I said, it's like athletes, they come off of a season and they take time to recover. There's some athletes that they won't do anything for a couple of weeks or just, you know, very light recovery work because their bodies, like you think about it, we're exercising all the time, all the time, all the time. Are we, when are we recovering? Like if we're not taking two days off? Yeah, sometimes never. And right. people do not value that enough. I wish that was something else that was stressed. Mm -hmm. Like this idea of like no days off is horrible you can't that. function that way i hate that i wish that women would view exercise as training i just shouldn't have said the word exercise i wish that women would be working out as training instead of exercise because if we could view uh training for whether it's an event or a race or mm -hmm. even just to feel our best like you don't train for a race and run every single day you can't no sometimes you're running less frequently than you're recovering but those runs are more meaningful and it, we we make this exercise like something you have to do every day but if we were training it would be a little bit more healthy and normal to like take a freaking break I know. And we need it I know we do our society needs a break and that's why like as horrible COVID was as like really you know traumatic it was for some people, it was like, it was nice to like, wow, like you sat, you sat, you were still for a moment, like yeah. as hard as it was maybe emotionally, like some people really got that opportunity to just like not do anything. Yeah. And I think so many people, people looked at it in a negative way. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not exercising. But like, no, you got a break. Yeah. Like you got a break. You got to recover, which is, which is great. Yeah. So let's, let's wrap it up. I just want to ask you one last thing. Sure. What, what, like one piece of advice that you haven't spoken about yet? Cause you've given so much amazing advice. Um, what's one piece of advice to anyone out there who may be struggling with, you know, body image, maybe struggling with, you know, their eating habits or their exercise habits. What's one piece of advice as someone who has crawled and I want to say crawled out of it because it is like a crawling out of the whole process. It's not something you close your eyes and wake up overnight and you're like, okay, I'm healed. Yeah. You know, it's a process. And like you mentioned, it's like, Sometimes the voice is there. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's really quiet, but sometimes, you know, it can kind of always be there in the back of your mind. So what's some advice that you've one or two pieces of advice you'd give? Yeah. So, uh, the first one I would say, and I would say this to absolutely anybody go to therapy. Therapy mm -hmm. is so important and I wish it were more normal for us to just like talk about, um, going to therapy helped me in so many ways. And I honestly didn't start going to therapy until long after I felt as though I was healed from any kind of disordered eating. Like, but regardless, it's just, it's such a wonderful way to kind of sort through your stuff and say things out loud and hear them back and, and not have that internal struggle. Right. It, it takes the load off of you and, and has somebody else help you carry it. So number one, like go to therapy. 
Um, but number two, I would say to start to focus on what you have and what you have already accomplished and less on what you haven't. So, mm. so often we look and we say, you know, I want to weigh this much, or I want to run this race, or I want to look like this person. And we're thinking about what we don't have, but when we shift the focus to what we do have, what you have accomplished, whether it's, I, I woke up today and I did a 15 minute workout on YouTube and maybe that's a huge step. Um, is it running a marathon? No, yeah. of course not. But we've got to celebrate the smaller steps and we've mm -hmm. got to, we've got to focus more on what we do have. And the one thing that I want everybody listening to really do when they turn off this podcast is take a moment to think about the hardest thing that you have ever gotten through. Right. And everybody has that one thing that gives you pause that like, I, I really didn't think I was going to make it. Mm. And I did. And that's what should fuel every step you take from now until the day you die. Because if you can get through that, mm -hmm. you can accomplish whatever goal you want to accomplish. You just got to remember who you are and what you've done. Wow. You got me chills, woman. <laughs> no, but really, and like all I was thinking is that practice of gratitude is, yeah. you know, what you were talking about. Be grateful for the things that you have, not what you don't have or have not yet accomplished. And I have on my phone every day, I use this app. It's called Habit. I believe it's called Habit Tracker. Um, Vix, actually, Vix Raytano is the, my business coach. She actually turned me on to it. But every day it says on my phone, gratitude. Yeah. And it, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I pause for a moment. I'm like, what am I grateful for? Because as humans, we can get caught up in the, you know, what I don't have versus what I have and what I've accomplished and every, all those amazing things I've done and those hard times that I've been through, you know, while I'm trying to work towards something else and forget about all of that. But yeah. reality is, it's like if we focus more on what we have and what we've done versus what we don't have, we'd probably live a lot, a lot better of a lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So Gab, thank you so much for coming on. Where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at gab.bolin, B-O-L-I-N. Um, you can find me at gabriellebolin.com and uh, through you on Instagram. Yeah. Absolutely. That's our only difference. I'm Gabriella yep. and she's Gabrielle. Yeah. Yeah, check, out, check her out on Instagram. Check out her running program. It's got amazing reviews and you've got some stuff, right? Don't you sell some amazing things? Yeah, so I've got some retail. So once you've done a couple of yeah. my runs and you know what I'm all about, you'll uh, you'll start to hear my catchphrases, right? And uh, it's all represented in some t-shirts and some bras. And yeah, she's got a cool active wear. What, what do we call it? Athleisure, athleisure, athleisure yeah. <laughs> which is really just my entire wardrobe. Guys, thank you again for tuning in to episode number two. If you are listening to this on Apple iTunes, or if you're not, if you can hop onto Apple iTunes, subscribe, and please leave a review. It would be greatly appreciated from my heart to yours. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, let's get stronger together.